This is Daniel, your Game Master and Master of Ceremonies. This is Tori, and I play Dooley. This is Sorcerer, and I play Ty. This is Becca, and I play Mirgrat. And this is Odyssey, a Babylon 5 story. Welcome aboard. I'm not a uh, master of earth or politics or the dialect or language or anything else like that. But after listening to many a recording of your language, looking for good sound files to put in the background, I mean, I have to have good scoring. I mean, what good cinematographer would I be without good scoring? But I have to ask, if if the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, A, that's assault. And B, that would be a world-ending event, would it not? How big is this moon? Oh, oh uh, 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 we'll have this discussion later. I got more people coming. Ah, <laughs> is my crest look okay? Okay, good. I don't have the shirt. Good, good. Ah, you're back. Good, 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 good. You've come for my stories of Badinia, the fate of the Telmari Celestia. Ah, good, good. Now, sit, sit. That's my drink. Thank you very much. Get your own. But sit, and we will discuss matters. So we had a bit of devil's bargain happen last time. Mirgrat had a conversation with an outworld entity and offered up her body for it to inhabit, to get uh, more information of what it knew, and and to act as a guide for this extra-dimensional entity that may have killed, um, you know, Fittipak Mara with the use of the drug called Ember. That is uh, unusual enough, but also... I can't believe I'm actually saying this. We dealt with Duli, a Narn, a Narn on the run, who has bought a slave, a Centauri slave. A Centauri slave she will later be named as Yorni. During this time, there is a little strangeness with her name, but uh, we'll get around it. She and Ty negotiated for Yorni's release into Duli's custody, and now there is a Narn who owns a Centauri. If this was any more ironic, I could use it to flatten clothing. Ugh. No, I'm using that word, right? What do you mean? Ah, don't mother Craig. Craig has found his thesaurus and the dictionary... And he is using it against me at every time. So, while also we all dealt with uh, Grant. Grant, who was doing an investigation about a nurse. But he was indeed having problems as he found the nurse's quarters. With the help of Chief George Lee and a low-ranking security officer named Chuck Austin. However, when they found the nurse's quarters, there had been... Well, let's just say, signs of a struggle. But that is not all of what they were fine. So keep listening, and I have more to do you. Oh, and we have a special message from Mirgrat somewhere in this telling. I'll wait till Mirgrat gets back from the restroom. But until then, sit, listen, and I will continue this tale for you. Um, like tossed and signs of a struggle, wrecked. Mm. George, I say, like, well, George. Well, 
So about that paperwork, sir. Yeah. Um, I'll leave that to you and Chuck. I'll just tell me what to sign. Uh, but uh, this is looking like a, a security event. This is now. They're all for that blue braid thing and going on about Amber. This is getting weirder, sir. I mean, it's just like totally weird. Yeah. Um, sounds like uh, Denny O'Neill shouldn't have been ignored. I guess not, sir. And uh, everyone give everyone give me – it's not spot anymore. Give me notice checks, please. That's actually not everybody. It's just you. Yep. <laughs> That's what I have to say. No one else uh, is there. I'm sorry. I'm, I, this is this is the fun of splitting a party. Oh no! Oof, you got nothing. And uh, okay, so like you're like look at this. Going, what the hell happened here? You don't see anything blue. You don't see anything strange other than you know it looks like there's a struggle. And he's like, oh, I gotta get Kali on this, or I got uh, uh, I gotta get out. Oh wow, this is this is big, sir. I mean, this is like really really big. And at one point, he uh, George looks over and says, "Sir, does this look familiar to you at all?" He looks over, and there is this image, kind of like the best way to think of it. Have you ever worked with uh, light-sensitive wallpaper? They used to have an attraction like this when I was a kid, where they would put up these uh, light-absorbing uh, panels, and you would do something, a flash would go off, and then you could move and see your shadow remaining where it is. Yes, they had those at the Museum of Science. Okay, good. But you know what I'm talking about, Paul? Uh, not really, but I can visualize. Okay, cool. So imagine that, but instead of a flash of light and a shadow, you look like you have a burn pattern. Mm-hmm. It's also not shaped like a human. It's shaped, your first thought is a lobster or a spider. Because it's about the size of <laughs> probably, yeah, a, a very large lobster. A lobster with, like, dragonfly wings, you think? Maybe? Or fans? It's kind of weird. And, yeah, it's, there is a burn part, uh, a burn pattern in that on a wall. I look and say, well, that's weird. Just, does that look like anything to you, sir? If you've got any, like, knowledge or... Anything else like that? No, uh, just Grant's, uh, Grant's a skill guy, not really much of a knowledge guy, so I don't think so. Oh, somebody uh, typed something. Everything okay? Oh, lobster with dragonfly wings equals a hell a clobster. That's that's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Sorry, much. just needed to get that down. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Throw that out there right quick. <laughs> <laughs> he says, "Yeah." Uh, so uh, actually, just give me a quick. Uh, intelligence check. In this case, it's just you roll a d20 plus whatever your intelligence modifier is, sure. and it'll be the result. Okay. Normally, for other types, I would say roll under your intelligence, but this case is just going to be straight. <laughs> okay, so, yeah, you don't have a clue what this is. You've never seen anything like it. You've never even heard of anything like this. It is, and granted, there are hundreds of worlds out there with so much fauna out there, you can't really keep track of it all, but that's weird. This is, and George, even George's like, have you ever heard of anything like this? Have we seen anything like that? Like, it's on a wall. Is this like some sort of infestation we need to know about, sir? Your guess is as good as mine, George, Chuck. I have no idea what we're dealing with. Uh, All I know is we got a missing member of the crew, though, so we got to get on that. Yeah, all right. So he says, okay, sir, so let's get on that. And for dramatic sake, I'm not even going to roll. But this is when George is shot. Okay. 
<laughs> so, all right, sir. Let's let's see if we can get on this. We got a we got a missing crew member. We got a strange infestation, and we got George just boom down, you know, down on the ground. All right, I wheel around to try to find where the shot came from. Give me a notice check. Pretty obvious, so you don't have to make too big a notice check, but just in case. Oh, 19, 19 easily. Yeah. There's Chuck. He's in the doorway. He pulled out his, his PPG, shot it he, with, his, with his left hand, interestingly enough, and with his right, he is tapping away at the code pad for the door, doing some sort of manual codes. Of, you know, and he, says, he just looks over and says, hold still, sir. Uh, yeah. I uh, have weapon focus in my PBG pistols, which allows me to pull it as a free action, so it disappears from my holster into my hand, and I take a shot. Okay. Give me a attack roll. Yep. Find that real quick. First time I'm doing that with this character. First time anybody's taking a shot in this game. Literally. Oh, really? Wow. Literally. First bullet shot by a player character in this entire game. All right. Well, this is one of the things I'm most effective at, which is shooting people. Oh, God, I rolled so low. Oh, that's okay. Uh, in this particular case, <clears throat> you roll. Uh, let's do this real quick. Basically, here's the good news. Uh, you rolled a four. He rolled an eight. So you both missed, but you both missed because you're both shooting at each other. Uh, we don't have to do combat with initiative or anything else, but this is just for dramatic effect. So he's like, hold still, sir. You immediately whip your blaster, fire uh, your, your BBG, fire just as he's letting go. So you're basically both doing the uh, matrix dodge, as it were, as you're both, ah, trying to get out of the way of the incoming fire while trying to return fire. In doing so, you miss, he misses, but he finishes the code, and the door slams shut. Great. You hear a coughing from... From below, <laughs> yeah, kid. There's George rubbing his shoulder. Ugh. Well, ain't this a pickle, sir? You don't have to keep calling me sir, George. You can just call me Grant. Uh, I am not great at the medical uh, stuff. I'll be perfectly honest with you, George. How do you feel? <laughs> it looks so well. Um, I got shot in the shoulder. I'll live. No. no, I was just going to say, I'll at least take a look at it with what little medical skill I have. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, with a 10, you know that basically he's probably going to need medic attention at some point, but he's not going to bleed out. That's the great thing about PPGs, they cauterize. Laser. Oh, no, no. Uh, in Babylon 5, it's PPG, phased plasma gun. Oh, plasma. Okay. Yep. Uh, Jay Michael Straczynski was very specific about this to the point of annoyance. Not from him, but to shut up the people who kept asking him. But yes, it's phased plasma. It's designed to go through a person, but not through the bulkhead. So, yeah, basically, and it did. It went through his shoulder. You, you Again, you're not a medical person. You hope that he's going to have use of his arm again, probably if you get him to a med, med bay at some point, but he's not going to die from his wound. He ain't going to be happy. He's going to be in a lot of pain, but he's not going to die. All right, that's at least something. Is there still a panel for the door on this side of the door? Yes. Or have they destroyed it? No, no, it's, it's the, uh, he just did a, a override on the other panel, but yeah. Yeah. So I say, George, can you get this panel open again with your authorization codes? <sighs> he kind of stands up, he asks for a little help, and you kind of help him to his feet. He kind of stumbles over, 
He hits a few buttons. Access denied. Access denied. Access denied. The hell, kid? What do you do here? Uh, air ducts? <laughs> <laughs> All right. At that point, at that point, as we pause on 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 uh, Grant locked in a room. Actually, Grant, real quick, give me a straight intelligence check. In this case, roll a d20 straight. What is your intelligence? 13. 13. If you roll a 13 or under, you make it. If you make, if you roll above that, you don't. Four. See, rolling low sometimes works for you. Uh, in this case, you remember a little detail. Everybody in Babylon 5, particularly the officer class, have a link. <laughs> you have a personal communicator. Oh, sure. Okay, yep, I'll get on my personal communicator then. Okay, so you kind of go... You know, um, crap, what was what was your character's last name again? Sherman. Uh, Sherman, thank you, Harris. Lieutenant uh, Sherman to, uh, to control. To control. Lieutenant Sherman to control. Come on, give in control. Tap, 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 tap. And George eventually looks up and says, Sir, you're not going to like this. Looks like he's looking at the panel. Looks like the kid, whatever he did, put the room under lockdown for security reasons. No in, no out of anything. Even radio waves. All right. So be it. We're going to have to find some other way out of here, George. Yep. We take you now to Mirgrat, the librarian of the Pakmara, with an important announcement for you. librarian, I am greatly appreciative of a good book. If you are also greatly appreciative of a good book, may I humbly recommend Grace and Victory Press. Grace and Victory is a micropress specializing in anthologies, particularly those of genre fiction. Enjoy their new genre, Lo-Fi, low-stakes genre fiction that promises a relaxing reading experience for these trying times that we live in. Thank you, Mirgrat. I would like to remind all of our listeners that we make absolutely no money, no profit, and nothing else from this other than the self-esteem that we feel by producing this every week. We we do, however, have friends, and friends every now and then have requests. So we, as a way to actually being able to find some support in this, give them uh, commercial time. However, they have not paid for any of this. We are not receiving any money for this, so please take that as note. They are just friends. In the meantime, let us return to our previously scheduled program, already in progress. Okay. Ty, you're back, and we're still waiting on uh, Becca and Tori to come back. You had an appointment, if memory serves. Yes, although I still don't remember exactly what it was about. Okay. Well, you had the appointment with uh, Alan Gibson, who was the guy who you saw in that weird dream vision thing with the bugs and he was the guy holding the book and yes was, mm-hmm. i don't remember if he said his name or not okay so i don't think basically, so okay uh, i remember he said it once but it may have just gone like zip through and thing like that but that's okay uh but yes you have the idea that here you're supposed to meet him for some sort of appointment and since i can't remember any other reason why you would have that down you remember you know again you kind of had a feeling for the appointment and you kind of followed the same tracks that you did in the dream to get to a certain room 
for mm-hmm. the appointment. It seems like the craziest thing you've ever done, but for some reason it's in your day planner. So, you know, <laughs> gotta follow the phone calendar at all costs. <laughs> it's in the phone calendar. It must be real. You do kind of trace your uh, things back, and you end up in the second class section again, which is fine. And you end up not far from uh, the main thoroughfare, probably about three or four levels deep away from it, in the secondary rotation area. Because, again, this is literally a, a, like a, a cylinder with a cylinder turning one way on top of it and a cylinder turning the other way on top of that. So you're kind of on the outermost cylinder, which is, again, closer in a lot of cases to the upper level stuff, but you're basically, you know, not quite first class, you know, but you're definitely nice and second class. Hmm. But you find the door that you kind of remember and you, uh, I assume you hit the chime. Yes. Yes. Okay. So you hit the chime. Does it, gentleman says, uh, enter door opens. Um, I go on in, I guess. Okay. So there he is. Bearded, red-haired, uh, curly beard, curly mop of hair. Not like I, bu- you know, bushy and everything else like that. Zach Galifianakis is probably the best representation I can think of this. <laughs> There's another actor who I cannot remember his name, but again, think of a not thin, but definitely a little bit more athletic Zach Galifianakis with no bald spot, and that's probably as close as you're going to get. Hmm. But he's wearing a kind of a comfortable suit. He's still got the, the pendant on with the blue crystal. He's uh, sitting on his bed, and he's, he's flipping through something because he's got his back to you. He turns around, and he says, Oh, it's it's you! Ah, yes, please! He closes his book, kind of puts it underneath the bed for a second, stands up, Please, come in. Can I offer you some tea, some water, uh, anything that's your liking? You know, I think I've had enough tea for one year. <laughs> yeah, I don't like the stuff either myself. He says, but I found some other amazing tea that I found in uh, Tandari Seven. Just hold on a second. He pours himself a little cup. He says, it's a, actually, it's a, almost but not quite jasmine smell. It's fascinating. Let me take a little sip. Hmm. He says, anyway, please, uh, you, I'm assuming, had a couple of questions. Um, yes, actually. Did you didn't happen to tell you why I made this appointment? Did I? It was um, not entirely clear at the time, but I'm used to things not entirely being clear. It's part of the na- nature of the biz, so that's okay. If you're having trouble remembering, I'm not going to push. Great. Well, in that case, it must not be that important. What are you? Who are you? He said, my name is Alan Gibson. I know that. I, uh, the Minbari would call me a true seeker of sorts. I am. I used to be an archaeologist for IPX way back in the day. Uh, now I consider myself a student and a researcher. Of the, the book thing, I assume. Whatever that is. The book is part of it, yes. It's not the only thing. But it's definitely part of it. He goes underneath the bed, pulls out the book. He says, I assume you've seen this before, yes? A few times now. Mm-hmm. He says, I understand. It happens. Uh, he also looks down, looks at your hand. I see you've read a couple of passages. You could call it that. So he actually thinks for a second. 
as an outsider, I want to get your perspective of what you see before I tell you anything. Okay? Mm-hmm. So, so far, based on what you've read, based on points of the tattoo, that, and the, he, he again kind of w- wiggles his finger around in the air, and the other thing, what do mm-hmm. you think is going on, and what do you think your role is here? Well, I think I am out of my goddamn mind. Or something real screwy is going on. Either way, I want out of it. He kind of nods and says, I had the same reaction too. It's okay. This is larger than usual stuff. It happens. And when you're first hit it, it gets too, can be too much. It can be scary. It can be even just uh, overloading. I mean, this is tearing apart everything you know about reality. And for most people, I'm hoping not you, but for most people, it tears them up. And to quote a famous writer from back in the day, if we ever did know what was really going on, we would either start screaming or go right back into the darkness of ignorance out of the fear of what we just saw. And I hope you're not either reaction. You're right. I'm not advocate. I can't afford whatever, whatever you're into, whatever is going on. I have other things I have to do. I want out of it. You're, I'm guessing at that point is when you turn and about ready to go out the door, right? No, I hang out. Okay. Curious. He says, I want out. He says, all right. What if we can make it better for you and your child? Right here, right now. How so? <sighs> he kind of puts his hands by his back and he thinks for a second. All right, how to put this? I'm guessing you want to make things okay with your child at a monetary level, right? Good school, food, roof on their head, that that sort of stuff, right? All right Who would reaction? Sorry. Okay, no problem. Delay there. So. Who would exactly? And you're still working on some of the lower ends of the hierarchy of needs. That's fine. What I've been able to see, what I've been able to be show, not only allows for monetary development. I could give you a lot of money right now. End of list. I could arrange it so that you would never have to worry about money ever again. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, starting right here, right now, to be specific. But, is again, try to figure his words very carefully. But you and I both know that there's a little bit more than just the basic survival. And there's other beings out there that want that basic survival. And for lack of a better term, they're willing to, oh God, this is going to sound terrible, but they're willing to bargain to get what they want if you get what you want. And what you want can be anything. Want your kid? No problem. You want you and your kid to never have to, to be never have to worry about money? Can do. All it takes is a little back and forth. He looks you up and down. You're you're a trader by trade, right? You're actually, you know, sales, shipping, that sort of thing? Something like that. You know everything about uh exchange. And that's what this is. And for whatever reason, he kind of taps the book. And then he kind of taps the air and he taps, he's like, he's trying to figure out exactly how to put this or how to place this. There are forces that have decided 
you are, oh God. He says, look, I am really sorry for having to say these words. I know how terrible they sound, but you have been deemed worthy by structures who are willing to invest in you. Thank you. Good. Not many people can be. And if you're willing to work with us and with them to find what they need, you can find what you need. They're interested in helping you. They're interested in helping your kid. They're interested in helping a lot of people. Now, they understand that, again, they're limited resources and only so many people can work with them at a time. But if you're willing, they have a way of tipping the scale in your favor in the right way. And right now, all they're looking for is a new place to call home. Is this something that you can help with? Can you help me help them facilitate the process? Sure. Let's make a deal. Okay. He he stands up. What do you want? I want money. I want hmm, want 250,000 credits. And then when all this is over, I want this tattoo gone, and I don't want to ever hear about this again. He kind of blinks for a second. That's it. 250k, and then out. Are you sure? Yes. I want out. Completely out. He actually closes his eyes for a moment. It's like he concentrates a little bit. Give me a notice check. Uh, (laughs) Yep. What's your roll? I'm still working on it. It takes me a second to find the thing. Okay, no worries. I heard the yep as in the, oh, crap. Oh. Oh. He rolled a 19, he got a 20. Good enough. So as he closes his eyes for a second, it looks like he's thinking about it, debating it. He kind of puts his thumbs together, tapping a little bit. And the blue gem that he's wearing, you're not sure if it caught the light or if it's emanating light. It's really hard to tell, but it kind of gets your attention for a split second. And then he goes, okay, 250000 and you will help us. He actually holds out his hand. We have a deal on this. Sworn on the book and everything. Yes? 250 and I want completely out at the end. Don't forget. Completely out at the end. We can promise that for you and your child. All right. I shake his hand. Okay, good. He says, now for my part of the bargain. He pulls out a 100-credit uh, chip, and he passes it to you. Mm-hmm. This is for? This is the bargain. You ask for 250K, you'll get it. He then pulls out a, excuse me, retro tech. He pulls out pen and paper. And he writes down a series of numbers. And they're basically numbers between 1 and 30. Well, sorry, 1 and 40. Excuse me, 1 and 40. He says, double, you know, whatever you do, don't take that chip off the table. Here you go. We'll see you back tomorrow. Hand you the piece of paper. You want me to hold on to this until tomorrow? No, I want you to go now to the casino Put that on the casino board and use those numbers as to where you're going to uh, put your chips, but never take your chips off the table. Uh, all right. I'll see you tomorrow, I guess. All right. He kind Can of bows. He says, me and, my, me and my fellows, thank you very much for this. It's been, uh, hopefully we can all come to a better resolution. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I just kind of like slowly back out the door. Okay. So you've got a hundred dollar, hundred credit chip, and a list of about ten numbers. Um, I call up 
Uli and Mirgarat, I guess, to tell them mm-hmm. I'm going to the casino. Okay. In case one of them a- wants to go to the casino, too? You leave a message for them. Uh, <laughs> Mirgarat has nice. to come back from, from the, uh, from, uh, the uh, wake, but that may take a couple of days. Uh, Dooley's helping shopping with uh, uh, the slave, and then and you're out to do this appointment. So you just leave a message, you're going to be at the casino. Mm-hmm. So, do you follow his instructions? Uh, yeah. Why? Why not? Okay. The so you head down. To... Okay. So, what's a game with uh forty numbers? Actually, forty-two numbers. Scheme me. Um, hmm? I don't know. Forty-two numbers exactly. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Roulette. It's been it's a busy a week. Little... I'm a little slow. That's okay. It's been a weird week too. But yeah. So you look at the numbers. You kind of, like, quickly memorize the numbers. Just ten of them. You see the roulette wheel. So the first one's, like, 25. It's, like, 25, 4, 8, 33. Sorry. Can you say that again? I'm sorry. Bad. The numbers I was were... writing down this thing. Right. Go ahead. He says the numbers were just, like, 25, 4, 8, 23. They're not really... Uh, sorry, 33. They're not really that important. You just... You see the numbers, and then... But basically, my, my question is, in this case, do you go to the casino and place your chip on 25? Or 23. Sure. I go do that. I go put my chip on 23. Okay. So someone do me a favor who is not in the scene. Look up what what roulette wheel pays per for the odds of a single number. So you uh, put your chip down. You're like, all right, fine, whatever. It doesn't cost you anything. You just, you know, 100, 100 creds is almost nothing. And roulette wheel. 25! Winner, 25! Immediately a stack of chips. Somebody sent me a message! In the general. Uh, Here we go, thank you. Uh, Payout, 35 to 1, good. So yes, so your 100 credit chip now goes to 300, uh, sorry, 3,500 credits. Yeah, I put it on the same number, since those were the directions I was given. Okay, do you just let it ride, or... Yeah, why not? I haven't okay. lost anything. Okay. So you go through the list, and each number that's on that list comes up. So you're getting... Uh, <laughs> let's see. Uh, so one times... Oh, God. Excuse me, I have to do math now. So first one is 100. Mm-hmm. Times 35... That's actually to the. Oh, okay, so that would be 100 times 35 to the 10th hour. But, uh. <laughs> Leave it as the hundreds and then add the three zeros at the very end. Okay. Well, it's basically. Okay, yeah, because she's getting. Two zeros, uh, I mean. Yeah, three zero. So yeah, just take a hundred times thirty five. So she now is thirty five hundred, mm-hmm. which in reality is you know, have three has three more zeros on it. But if you add it that way, it's a lot easier. Okay, I was wondering because again it was the because thirty five eh, clear yeah uh, basically but it's thirty five a hundred essentially then you put uh, plus the one hundred so that's thirty six. Times a return of uh, thirty-five is yeah, times thirty-five. Yeah, they stop 
once you've gotten your fifth or sixth round of this, basically by that point, you're at 4.2 million. Sweet. Yeah. But every number on that piece of paper came up in exactly the correct order. Well, um, I'm going to go cash my chips before someone sends security after me to figure out what the (laughs) hell I'm doing. Exactly. Good call. So, yeah, you just cashed out with a large sum of money, and you're going to have to explain that to to other people later on. So, um... They find out about it. (laughs) That's true. So, is Becca back? Yes. Nope. You know, no no tragedies or or, or catastrophes or anything else like that. Okay, cool. That's okay, because there's about to be a catastrophe and and tragedy. Because now we have really separated the party. I mean, like, really separated the party! Um, cause now we have Dooley coming back from, uh, helping the slave with her new identity. You have Pi, um, <laughs> who here Doing is, is, yeah, is watching Ty make a devil's bargain. <laughs> she, uh, so she just went for it, y'all. Yep. She just went this for is... it. There was no stopping that. There's been, this has been a day of going for it. This is just kind of fast. Yeah, it's very Faustian, by the way. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Paul a devil's it, bargain, or as the Rakiri call it, a bargain. Oh. <laughs> a bargain. <laughs> she seems absolutely nothing weird about this, except that there's weird beings she's never seen doing it, but she already took care of that by making them promise not to drag her into anything else. Uh, that, I believe your exact wording was, at the end of this, I'm out. In theory. <laughs> <laughs> so, and now we have also, once again, with Mirogadat. I think this is a good way to bookend our, our, our game at the moment. Um, Let the bodies hit the floor! Let the bodies hit the floor! <laughs> <laughs> Please don't do that again. Uh, <laughs> there was an old comedian in the 80s who... Um, she has a very, very high-pitched voice. And she says, you know, yes, I do talk. She's like, yes, I do talk like this all the time. This is my natural voice. Like, Megan Mullally? What? Megan Mullally? I can't, no, I actually can't remember her, her her name. This is like from the 80s. But she actually says, because of this, my boyfriend can't watch uh, uh, can't watch puppet babies anymore. I mean, he, he says, let's go to bed. I go, skippy, skippy. He's like, don't, don't. <laughs> So, Thanks. yeah, so when I'm hearing Miracrat chanting, let the bodies hit the floor, I'm not prepared for that. <laughs> it's kind of like finding out, um, yeah, that, okay, it's kind of like finding out that, that several people have put out a Death Malva albums after doing their J-pop single, uh, but I've, but I've watched, uh, 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 go, so I've seen that happen. So. Have you heard of Baby Metal? <laughs> Oh, no. Yes, that just sounds yes, wrong. I have. Oh no, it's so much better than you could ever imagine. It's this Japanese death metal group that's all that's um, fronted by uh, a trio of teenage girls who sing like who are screaming uh, songs about how they want chocolate. Yes, oh, God. that's great. <laughs> Transcendent. Bear's good, but also have you heard by the same token, Ladybeard? No, I am not familiar with them. Again, uh, Ladybeard isn't a them; it's a person. It it's is hysterical. a guy. 
who is a professional wrestler in Japan. He's uh, apparently from like Midwest uh, America, so he's got like you know red hair and that kind big bulky guy whose hair is constantly in pigtails, and he wears J-pop uh, Gothelita dresses all the time in the ring. He released an album. And, so I think we're going to have to cut this session short while I begin my new career. <laughs> I'll put a couple of links under the, the uh, non-game related stuff at the bottom for you. So, But anyway, Miokrat has just been filled to the brim with Fang! So, you wake up, yes, surrounded by the corpses of about 50 Pachmora. Okay, so it's it was everyone in the room, not just the other floating amber Pachmora. Correct. Ominous. Very. R.I.P. <laughs> also, so he, yeah, Rest in Pachmora. Hmm? Rest in Pachmora. Who else is going to notice 50 Pakmara are now dead? Granted, if it's done right, nobody, because Pakmara eat their own. But, yeah, I mean, uh, you can't tell by the smell. Exactly. Although, although your people will notice this by the smell in about three days. Because they're yeah, going to go, mean, yeah. smells good. For the Pakmara, it's going to be driving past a, a, a barbecue pit. Mmm, <laughs> what smells like bacon? So yes, you now feel a little weird, a little twitchy. It feels again a little unseated, a little off. Okay, so I I know that I have this Jello alien in me. You're fairly certain. I mean, less what you what you saw was some sort of hallucination brought on by the amber. I mean, either or. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to be consistently running a mental monologue then to, like, acting like I am monologuing to the Jello alien, even if I'm not 100% sure it's there. <laughs> Basically, just, like, I'm going to start narrating everything that I'm doing. <laughs> um, and th- this is important, because, like, we've basically stumbled into kind of, a, like, the crux of, of Mirgarat's research, like, pre-being private investigator tracking down Amber, is their their main, like, object of research was how the, the physiological equipment that alien species have influences their the way they perceive things and how that in turn influences the way they communicate with other species. Um, and so now having this like head passenger possibly who is some kind of alien entity and is using Mirgarat as, you know, the way that they are observing the, the the Odyssey is basically like this is kind of a dream come true. Like, <laughs> so, um, a thank you. Uh, like you've just made Mirgarat's thesis real. <laughs> like, like kicked it up a notch. <laughs> um, 
but also like now they're really like this is their jam so they're gonna be really gung-ho about being the best observation host that they can be and this is something that they would have done previously of like because they have some minor telepathic abilities, they would be use, they have in the past used their telepathy to interact with other species in order to like do a surface scan to understand the the perceptual um, the thought process layers of what they're talking about. Um, and so now they're basically going into the mode of trying to be that translation for whoever is observing. <laughs> Not that I've, like, thought about this or anything. <laughs> it's very complicated. <laughs> you spent the last two hours contemplating this concept while we were doing the other characters, didn't you? No, I spent it knitting, but... <laughs> <laughs> Question. Uh, but you seem to just like drop a huge gift in my character's lap. Mm -hmm. I hadn't thought of it, but you got a point there. You know, just there you go. <laughs> Which, by the way, that now he's like that now brings the score to two, two Faustian bargain. Yeah, this is way more complicated than Ty. It was just like, do you want money? And she was like, yes. <laughs> Actually, it wasn't that much more complicated because it was, will you help us observe? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. She did like try to get out of it at first. Yeah, no, this wasn't this even was this one wasn't real interest. This was do us a solid, and I'm like, I would love to. <laughs> what am I going to do with you people? Uh, uh, I know. <laughs> uh, Stop offering time money. <laughs> <laughs> If you don't want her to do something, don't offer her money. Well, that's the thing. In great JMS traditions, let's not lie. You have, you know your price. You're very well aware of that. And mm -hmm. as uh, the universe will be more than happy to show you, your price comes at a price. Mm-hmm. Look what happened with Londo. Well, he asked for, I want my people to be what they once were. And he got it. Mm-hmm. So, Unfortunately, what they once were was awful. <laughs> yeah. Ty's interests are on a smaller scale, luckily. It's a smaller scale, but basically, for lack of a better term, somebody said, what can I, you know, I want to buy your soul, how much? And you went, eh, quarter mil will do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, which is fine. But yeah, also for Mirka, I decided it's the, you know, I wish to possess you. Okay! Uh, <laughs> that sounds great! <laughs> <laughs> As everyone has made creatures with uh, bargains with Catholic beings from beyond the stars, that's okay. Technically, I was going to introduce several groups that were going to be terror forces, and so far, three of you have encountered them. So, yeah, this is going to be interesting. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> so, what does Mirgrat filled with Thig? decide to do next. Okay, so running my internal narration for my theoretical passenger, mm -hmm. I am going to start by ringing up the uh, diplomat in charge, you know, the diplomat for the Pacamara that I have been previously liaising with. Mm -hmm. 
And basically, I'm going to let them know what just happened vis-a-vis the wake and then also the possession and then also the 50 other wakes that we're going to need to get underway. All right, so let me just, I'll, I'll need a diplomacy check. From me or from the diplomat? Definitely, f- let's start from you. All right. Let's just put it this way. A person, now granted, Pachmara are very uh, spiritually based. <coughs> Excuse me. They are very minded in such matters. However, you are basically going, hi, yeah. So about the way the investigation I'm doing, well, one of the Pachmara took it, and he had a spiritual experience, and then died. And everybody else who ate him uh, died, and the people around him died, and they all got possessed by an entity, but that's okay, I've got the entity in my head. So, uh, what's next? Fourteen. Hey, so let's just say that's not a botch. (laughs) So it's just the... Oh. Okay. Um. Huh. (laughs) You basically admitted to a rather spiritual person that you have a extrasensory deity in your head. Or extrasensory entity in your head. The diplomat does not know how to take this. It understands that, yes, more weeks to be prepared. The fact that 50 more have died on this investigation is quite troubling to the ambassador. Yeah, uh, and, a lot to eat. It, well, it's, the question is, is whether or not now, because of what happened with Tomasi in your report, does that mean that everybody else is now considered tainted? So I think what I will do is I will volunteer to ritually consume a portion of everyone who has died because the idea is they need to be consumed in order to be preserved beyond the great churn. Uh And so because I am the only one who survived the ritual consumption of Tomasi, I'm going to assume that I have, like, that being host to this being is going to allow me to survive the ritual consumption of everyone who didn't survive the ritual consumption of Thomas C. Um, so what I will, what I will do is I will say, like, don't, don't, it is, you know, your judgment to not let anyone else consume these fellow Pakmara, but I will volunteer to, to ritually consume a portion of each of them so that their memories may be preserved beyond the churn. Uh, and as Grant puts out, and thus she becomes Pakmara Prime. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, besides the fact, do you have any idea how long it's going to take you to consume 50 times your body weight? Okay, uh, I, I was assuming I would ritually consume a portion of each of them. But that's the thing. You've already <laughs> admitted that you have a thing in your head that may or may not be trustworthy. I mean, yeah, but the thing that preserves our entities beyond the churn isn't in my head. It's in my stomach, so we should be fine. <laughs> They're like, this is a big assumption. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's just say that the, the, the diplomat, even they said, this is outside my realm, and I need to report back to the, libra- the library for more details about this one, because you've basically asked a diplomat 
a major theological question. That's a great code for I need an adult. Way that the diplomat has phrased, <laughs> I don't get paid enough for this shit. <laughs> no, I think it's closer to what, what Grant said of, I need an adult. <laughs> uh, uh, Paul said, excuse me, Paul. Yeah, so they're like, I, uh, uh, okay, um, if you want to consume, you can. We'll do tests for everybody else first. Because that's the other thing that's freaking everybody else out. They Not only have they found a substance that can affect Pac morale like a drug with their massive resistances, now they have something that poisons the food chain. Which, fucking yikes, yo. Uh-huh. So, yeah. They're quite troubled about this. But again, this is a diplomat. A diplomat may have uh, some knowledge of the faith. He may actually be, they actually be a, a person that follows it very closely. But now they need a specialist. Yeah, I mean, the library was going to be my next call. Because obviously this needs to be reported and recorded for a posterity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. The death of 50 Pakmara during a demon possession needs to be recorded for posterity. It's not a lie that I usually thought of encountering. I mean, if you hand me a demon possession and it kills 50 Pakmara, I'm a librarian. Obviously, it needs to be recorded. Okay, recorded, yes. For posterity, it's like, you know, headlines. Uh, yeah, if a librarian is recording something, it, it, it's for posterity. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay. As that means you basically come out of steerage to make the, 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 go to find the broadcast center, right? Uh, no. First, I'm going to, like, arrange the bodies so that, like, things are kind of respectful and they're, like, laid out for, for, um, you know, the, the, the typical process. Um, yeah. Luckily, it was in a cafeteria, so there's plenty of tables and benches. There's plenty of tables and benches. <laughs> Some of them actually do have to be put on the, the deck, which is still considered fine simply because it's deck and not ground. Yeah. Um, and, the, and again, this is also going to be, you know, either expelled into the, if anything happens to the deck, they're expelled into the reactor core or into space. So not great, but it's still not touching ground. So, yes, after I've gotten the bodies uh, sort of arranged and that that goes on, um, I'm going to, to be um, going to uh, basically file a report with the library. And mm-hmm. while I'm, I'm doing the arranging, I'm basically I'm, I'm doing my internal monologue with a rundown of Pakmara theology and funeral practices. Okay. Uh, I will say that one thing the uh, ambassador diplomat asks that you do is that once you are done with the basic process of laying out, which will take you a long while, they're talking 50 bodies here. Yeah. Um, once you're done with the process of laying out into the respectful manner until things can be processed, they ask that you close the door, lock it, and essentially put on a do not disturb sign just in case. Oh, yeah, Absolutely. Besides the fact these guys have got to rot for at least three days, they want to make sure that nobody stumbles into the cafeteria, thinks buffet, and causes problems. Well, and also just, like, the the Pacmara cafeteria is, like, in the Pacmara area of steerage, but it's still, like, someone might walk by and be like, wait, why is this suddenly full of dead Pacmara? Exactly. 
And like, we don't necessarily have anything to hide, but it's also not necessarily any of their business. So after taking the long time doing that, which is again, a couple hours, um, like I said, okay, it's 5.08. Okay. Next session, we're going to try to figure out a way to get all of you back together. I think that's the, I think that's going to be the important bit. So you play everything out. You make your way up towards the tram, trying to get towards the station because you have you can't make a broadcast from steerage. You actually have to go to second class or first. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, but that means taking the tram from the steerage area to a different place. As you actually, come up I think to- I'm going to go first to the diplomat to use their secure channel um, okay. because I feel like this is something where it is important enough that I'm not going to feel bad about commandeering that. It's not that you want to broadcast to the universe that this is happening. Right, and also I think it's important enough that, like, I, I think it is A, private, but B, urgent. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I don't feel bad about going and, and commandeering diplomatic resources in order to open this channel so I can talk to the library. Okay. So, on the way there, and I think this is a good place to... Uh... So you take the tram, and by the time you get done, it's pretty late in the in the evening. Uh, you know, again, everybody's been running around. People starting to, to crash out for the day, even though it's you know ship ship wise twenty four hours. But you know, things still tend to work in shifts. Um, so by the time you get on the tram, going from steerage to towards first class, it's almost entirely empty, except for about six to eight passengers. What you find interesting, though is of the passengers there's two Mimbari, one of which is uh, uh, the ranger you've worked with before looks like he's he's going home after a long day as it were there's another one next to him that's in uh, religious robes there is a couple, male and female human, who are, are very well dressed and carrying a briefcase there is a gaim uh, in one section uh, the train. Uh, you actually do see the the Narn with the the Narn with the the, the broadsword, the bastard sword, who oh. uh, who Ty could tell you is is named Conner. Uh, <laughs> sword lizard, plant uh, emoji guy. Yes, not that you specifically know that, but yes, <laughs> as well as an abai male and. A human female, red-haired, bushy, bearded, uh, yeah, human male. Is that everybody? Yeah. And, hold on. Okay, and, uh, it looks like a, as well as the, uh, Lucha-wearing Drazi you saw previously. And, give me a notice check. Okay. He's been trying to get us to talk to this Drazi for like three weeks. Ah! <laughs> Nobody's doing really it. Fun. I, 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 I think uh, a Drazi luchador is hilarious. I have actually some experience with this, or I think it's great. But I, it's just one of those great things, you know, just to bring in. Twenty-one. Okay. Have you ever gotten on a streetcar or train or subway and? You don't know what it is. It's quiet, but there is a palatable sense of tension in the room. I mean, yes. It's like that here. Everyone to you has a different flavor, for lack of a better term. And it's almost like not old friends meeting again, but so much as 
what are you doing here? Uh, or Susie, what are you of all people doing here? Of all the trams on all the weird luxury cruise ships in all the universe. Kinda, except not quite as broken-hearted romantic as Casablanca, more like The Godfather. Okay, I've only seen one of those movies, and I'm guessing you know which one. <laughs> Actually, I don't. Casablanca. Um, well, <laughs> sorry, which one? Well, it was Casablanca. <laughs> okay, well, that's right, yeah. Um, I, I love Casablanca. Um, but yes, it's, it's that whole feeling of everyone is there, they're not sure why the other person is there, and there's there's a definitely a tension of not necessarily who's on top, but you know, you're expecting someone to turn and point and do the, you're not supposed to be here that sort of level of threat You know, I'm gonna do my normal response to being in a tense public situation Did you just put on another air freshener? I did just put on another air freshener (laughs) (laughs) But give me a telepathy check (laughs) 25! Oh, okay. Immediately you feel almost everybody in the cab. And, which is funny because normally Pac Moran don't normally feel a lot from the Gaim. Gaim are hive-minded, so they're very strange. In this case, though, everybody has a different flavor. Somewhere in the, the, the Mimbari area, there is something that tastes like, tastes like sunshine ice cream. But at the same time, it's not. It's sunshine razor-tipped ice cream. Somewhere in the over with the humans, it, you get the sense of it tastes like an open wallet. Huh. And at another section, you 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 get the taste of desperation. In another section, it's a taste of hope and a t- a time of return. And all these things here don't feel right. And what's worse, when you kind of open your mind to this, you have a sense that whatever flavor you're getting off of them, they're getting off of you something else. Hmm. And nobody has turned to each other. Nobody has changed conversations. No nothing. In fact, it's dead quiet. Like, dead quiet. I think... I'm just going to start trying to explain all of this to the thing that may or may not be hitchhiking in my brain. Okay. So, when you try to narrate, you're trying to this mentally, right? You're not actually verbalizing any of this, right? No, no, no. I'm just mentally narrating. Although, like, if I were if I were verbalizing it, I would be verbalizing it in Pacmara. But no, I'm just, like, mentally narrating it. Okay. So you're mentally narrating it. What you do, you nearly get this idea of shh. Okay. Is it... Does it feel like it's coming from my theoretical brain passenger, or does it feel like it's an external shushing? Give me a telepathy check! Let's roll a d20, not a d220. That would be bad. <laughs> 22. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, you're old as 702. How did you do that? <laughs> so, uh, in this case, no, you're fairly certain the feeling is from within. However, yeah, the echo of, how did you? And another echo of, he let you loose. 
Okay. And another of. One other of. Give me a telepathy check. Eleven. Eleven. Some of them you're absolutely certain are. A lot of some of them you can't tell. It's again, it's like that nagging voice in the back of your mind. You know, you're fairly certain that it's external, but it's so hard to tell sometimes. Hmm. Okay. There is one last voice that you hear, which is Perhaps does that mean they're gone? Are they all gone? I think I'm going to do the mental equivalent of putting on another air freshener, which is just <laughs> kind of going to like clear my mind and and do the don't and and like all thoughts are just leaves floating down a stream. Fair enough. Uh, give me a will save on that one. Okay, twenty three. Twenty three. These are but clouds in the sky. Let them pass. And you kind of do that. Though the last thing you hear, as you say, let them pass, let them pass, it says, please, I have to know. I need to go home. Oh, shit! Oh, by the great maker, indeed. <laughs> See what we have. Mirgrat getting more information and finally, finally possibly contacting the entity which is asking to go home. Tie in another bargain where she will get lots of money from something that knows numbers before they happen. And she wants out at the end. And so she shall. But that is for another time. Ah, but join us next time, for I have more stories to tell you. Though I do have a question for you. Is it true there is a profession of standing on the corner watching all the girls go by? And that's where we end for this week. I want to thank everyone for joining us and hope you continue to join us every two weeks for another episode of Odyssey. If you have any questions, comments, constructive criticism, or just want to say hi then you can find us at temporalplaygrounds.com slash odyssey or email at temporalplaygrounds at gmail.com. Babylon 5 was created by J. Michael Trzynski and is owned by Warner Brothers Domestic Television. The Babylon 5 role-playing game was produced by Mongoose Publishing utilizing the OGL gaming license of D20. Our theme music was composed by Evan King. His song Titan Striker is available on YouTube and at evankingmusic.com. Incidental music and background was provided by Tabletop Audio at tabletopaudio.com. Please see websites for more information. Again, I am Daniel, and I thank you all for joining us on this adventure. Good night, and keep dreaming.